In this episode, we dive into the new feminist folk horror called She Will. Here's the star of She Will, Alice Krieger. She said to me, but you have to rise like a phoenix from the ashes. And that's a wonderful, wonderful example of a powerful woman. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I'm going to get that gun of mine, and I'm going to change you from a rooster to a hen with one shot. Some people call me a freak. I hate that word. I don't believe in it. Better yet, I don't believe in labels. You know, I think you're the only girl in the world that can stand on a stage with a spotlight in her eye and still see a diamond inside a man's pocket. Because I'm up at five every morning working my ass off. Does someone want to just tell me to my face, you're never going to give me the scores I deserve? Hello and welcome to Girls on Film. I'm your host, Anna Smith, and today we're looking at female folk horror She Will, starring Alice Krieger, Kota Eberhardt, Malcolm McDowell and Rupert Everett. She Will centres on an ageing film star, Veronica, who goes on an eventful Scottish retreat with her nurse. I also speak to the She Will filmmakers about sisterhood in cinema and women in horror. Just a quick note that this ep includes references to sexual abuse and breast cancer. My first guest is actor Alice Krieger, who's well known for playing the Borg Queen in the Star Trek series and Alma, or Ava, in Ghost Story. Alice puts in a mesmerising performance as Veronica in She Will. I'm having dark thoughts, though. It's normal. Everyone has them. I mean, really dark thoughts. Well, Alice, welcome to Girls on Film. Thank you. Thank you. I love your cat in the back. Oh, thank you. That's a picture of my real cat. He might oh, even wander into the picture and say hello. Are yeah. you a cat fan? I'm I'm an animal fan. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. They're all wonderful. I'm also a big fan of She Will. Massive congratulations on the film. And we've been speaking to the filmmakers, and it's so inspiring to see this female-led project which is so distinctive. I mean, it's unforgettable film, really. Congratulations. Oh, I'm so happy that you feel that way about it. Well, your performance is obviously central to this. Uh, what made you want to take part in this film? It's, it's actually very rare that you get given a role that is so layered and so complex with such a trajectory of, of sort of revelation. She has an extraordinary path to, to a revelation. I used to think of it as peeling an onion, but I realise that it's much more like a flower slowly opening petal by petal. Layer after layer sort of emerges. Also, I was sent the script and I'm enormously intrigued by the, the way that it touches on so many themes. Um, centrally, trauma of a woman who as a very young girl has suffered sexual abuse by a very powerful man. And that's the central theme and, and the ravages of that and how this touched me deeply. Those wounds are finally healed through two agencies, the suffering of other women and the kindness and the courage of her nurse, who is a much, much younger woman who as a child has also suffered abuse and trauma. But her response to that, her name is Desi, played by a wonderful Kota Eberhardt. And Kota gives a performance of extraordinary delicacy of this person who too is wounded but instead of responding as Veronica does which is to shut down 
and reject the world and hold everyone at arm's length. Kota reaches out to help other people in need. And the, the, the sweetness and generosity and patience that she evinces with this very difficult woman, angry, aging, furious, hurt. Really, she's arrived at the end of the line. And this young woman offers her the possibility of, of trust and redemption, really. What are you looking for? Some form of beverage with alcohol content. It's not advisable. Desi, if you think you're going to survive this shitstorm called life by doing what's advisable, you are seriously mistaken. You have to be all teeth, claws. Trust me, bastards will stop at nothing to grind you down. Come on. Let's take your blood pressure. So that's the central theme and the theme of the hurt of all the people burned as witches because they were slightly different or had gifts that other people didn't have. But then, fascinatingly, Charlotte, without rubbing your face in it, manages to open up this extraordinary vista of the cosmos. I've never seen or been in a movie where you looked at the sky and the macrocosm and the microcosm, you are obliged to look at mud. And she explores our position in nature, and, but without it being rammed down your throat, it's just part of the universe of the story. So it has so many layers. So all of that, as I read the script. Have you noticed how the wind here sounds like whispers? Yeah, it does, actually. This place is beautiful. Dark, though. Even the daylight's dark. No, not dark. Drich. Drich. I like that. And then I met Charlotte, and I quite simply fell in love with her. She is herself a force of nature um, with an extraordinary perspective. The visual signature that she brings to the film is, as you say, unforgettable, but also her sensibility. She was a, an absolute joy to work with. Your character is quite, um, as you mentioned, she can be difficult because she's gone, gone through a lot and is going through a lot. You seem to me like you're quite the opposite of that. <laughs> did you did you uh, sort of draw inspiration from being on set with other people in that? Is do you think that that many film stars reach that point of being quite abrupt with people? Um, no, I haven't experienced that myself. I think all I needed to do was kind of inhabit the place where she was at. She is in a great deal of pain, having sort of been psychically mutilated. She's now physically mutilated and. In, in the most extraordinary sort of slap in the face and shock, she discovers just at this moment in her life that Hathborn, the, the director who, was, who essentially assaulted her when she was 13, is about to be knighted. And goodness me, he's about to do a remake of the film. And there's this horrifying image of little 14-year-old girls queuing all the way down the studio lot for as far as the eye can see with you know their hearts in their mouths auditioning for this same role and you've got to think it's going to happen all over again. Veronica Ghent was 13 when she made Navajo Frontier with you. Yes, that's right. Absolutely. She was just... 
I made her into something. Well, your relationship with her has been described. Uh, please, don't make assumptions about that. It was a completely different era. No, what I'm saying is... We were very close. We had a... A special, special bond. So when we meet her, she's beside herself. So I think the edge is, is entirely understandable. That was all I needed to know, really. Completely. And I love the ways you say the layers are peeled back and we get to know why she's feeling the way that she's feeling. And in an industry when women are so often dismissed as being difficult when men aren't, you know, men are just brave or challenging or something. Tell me, were there any particularly memorable or challenging scenes? Because a lot of our listeners won't have seen the film yet. So is there a vivid one that you have a, a happy or interesting memory of on set that you'd like to bring to life? Well, we were shooting in the Cairngorms in November and December. It was very, very cold. And you were either ankle deep in mud or on frozen ground. But for all the sequences where she shifts dimensions... I was rather scantily clad in a sort of nighty and um, bare feet, except hair and makeup very kindly put masking tape on the soles of my feet so that I wouldn't be, I, I would have some layer of, of sort of film between me and, and, the, and the earth. But it was extraordinarily helpful because I did start to feel slightly out of body as we shot in the dark and at night in forests and in these kind of frigid temperatures and with the vastness of the Scottish wilderness we were kind of consumed by it and it was fabulously helpful kind of completely unexpected I'd been so busy grappling with who she was or is that then I was given the sort of potent energy of the, the of the highlands Locations are extraordinary, although they sound very uncomfortable from what you're saying. Um, but did you find them inspiring in other ways? Are you keen to go back to that area of the world? Oh, I it's it's magnificent. But the the house that the retreat happens in actually is haunted. Kota saw a little boy, and someone else quite separately saw the same little boy, and so that was actually a very kind of significant energy to open yourself to given a, a sort of driving force in the piece is the spirits of the burned women and the fact that exactly where we were filming was where the last two women a mother and daughter were burned so you really felt that it was perfectly reasonable and possible that they it were if not in the house at any rate nearby have you ever had any experiences like that i, I went through a period in my life in the space of about three years when um, a very, very dear friend, an old man, died. And then 
um, a year later, my father, my mum died, and then a year later, my father died. And um, on the day that the old friend died, the first death, I was in the ha- in the room in which he had died. I was alone in the house, and I was sitting very quietly, and I became aware of of an ovoid shape, um, sort of floor to ceiling, shimmering sort of gold dust. And I just observed it for a while, and it wasn't in the least bit frightening. It was just very beautiful, and then it dis- dissipated. And something very, very similar happened with both of my parents. And out of the blue, I'm not psychic. I've never had any kind of experience like this before or since. But they were people that I was very, very closely connected to. And it was um, just quite wonderful, really. Thank you for sharing that. And I think you're right. I think it can happen to anyone in the right circumstances. And that's, I think, what she will shows is that you know your character hasn't necessarily as far as we know had an experience that like the one that we witnessed before and it becomes incredibly powerful yes is there anything else um from a feminist perspective that appealed to you about the story of this film it's just just the whole thing is pretty much um a woman's experience or shall i put that in the plural women's experience and female power female compassion, female anger. What I loved about it is that it comes at it in a very um, oblique, elliptical way, and it's wrapped up in a sort of psychological thriller, really, but that it, it explores internal landscapes in the most unobvious kind of illuminating ways. Some some reviewers have said that Cota's inner landscape wasn't explored as much as it could have been. But I think it is revealed with such delicacy. If it had been done with a heavier hand, it wouldn't have touched one as much. That moment when when she's in the woods and she's kind of reeling from an episode that's just happened to her, and you suddenly have the flash of her as a child. I was staggered by that because that was actually introduced afterwards Charlotte probably had it in her head but it wasn't in the script Um, something else was in the script that was removed but that was put in its place and for me you didn't need more than that I agree it was subtle and I think often the best kind of feminism is subtle and just interwoven um, into the film and I love that it wasn't one of those extended flashbacks it was just a as you say this flash that you okay I get it I understand Would you go back and relive your childhood if you could? Not even if you paid me. Would you? Is there anything else um, you wanted to share with us? Jamie Ramsey was the cinematographer, and I think he does an extraordinary job, as does Clint Mansell with the score, so that the score becomes a potent character by the end and it's for me one of those rare films where every element tells the story nothing is really superfluous I feel immensely grateful to have been part of it when I was preparing for for Veronica I felt an enormous responsibility to women who have had mastectomies and who are struggling with the shock and the horror of of cancer uh, specifically breast cancer. And I, I spoke to my brother, who is a, a very brilliant surgeon, about 
the procedures and um, I visited websites where women were talking about what they were going through with great sort of compassion and solidarity. But finally, I called one of my dear friends and she had had a lumpectomy. She'd refused a mastectomy. She also refused chemo and said to her, can you bear to um, lay out for me what, what happened? And she said, hell yeah. And she laid out in graphic detail what had happened, including that she said to the surgeon, I want this done under local. And he said, no. And she said, I'm going to watch you because I'm not going to have you take away the sentinel lymph gland because I'm going to need it if I'm going to get better. So she did. She watched the whole procedure wide awake, but with a local. But at the end of her description of everything that had transpired, she said to me that you have to rise like a phoenix from the ashes. And that became a sort of mantra for Charlotte and for me. Jenny saying, you have to rise from the ashes. And that's a wonderful, wonderful example of a powerful woman and a dear friend. Many thanks to Alice. My final guests are three incredible women who worked on She Will. Director and co-writer Charlotte Colbert, an artist and filmmaker whose work includes The Silent Man, screenwriter Kitty Percy, and BIFA-nominated producer Jessica Malik, whose other productions include Leading Lady Parts and Estranged. Well, welcome all to Girls on Film. Hello. Hi. Hi. <laughs> It's lovely to have you three on. It really is. Congratulations on She Will. Uh, it touches on a lot of themes we're really fascinated by on Girls on Film. But before we come to that, I wanted to find out a little bit more about you all. So can you tell the listeners a bit about yourselves and how you came to meet each other? Can I start with you, Charlotte? Yeah, we, it was um, an amazing meeting because um, Ed Clark, who was one of our exec producers, had sort of unearthed um, a script by Kitty um, here. And uh, he was like, you two are sort of mad enough to get along. Uh, let's stick you in a room together. And um, and so we met and it was wonderful <laughs> to, to meet Kitty. And um, yeah, the, and so then we sort of started working on the script and um, developing it into, uh, into our funny beast that we have. <laughs> Kitty, from your perspective, what was the moment that you came together with these two? Well, yeah, I mean, as Charlotte says, um, I'd written this quite mad script and it was sort of not quite sure where exactly it came from. I mean, I I think I just was fascinated by what it's like as a woman to age and this sort of sense that as kind of ageing women, we sort of lose our power in some way. So, so I was kind of interested in that. And Charlotte just had so many kind of fascinating ideas and just interesting, just such an interesting take on that sort of material. And um, so, yeah, I kind of knew it would it would be a, a fertile friendship. And and so, yeah, it was, it's just amazing to see to see what, what she did with it. And, you know, the finished film is quite different to the original script. Um, but I just think, you know, she's done amazing things with it. Welcome. You missed the housekeeping tour, but there's still some champagne and the other guests are in the gallery. Other guests? 
I don't do groups. I'm afraid the solo retreats only run in the summer. They alternate with silent yoga. Fertile is a great word. <laughs> Thinking of the of the earth and the, mm. and the film, great. Um, and Jessica, you work with Charlotte anyway, don't you? Yeah, we work together. Um, a company called Popcorn Group, and we um, we met just before we found Kitty's script, actually. And we, yeah, we've got we've got a whole bunch of things together. Kitty, let, let let's come back to the script, Kitty. So you were, ta- I'm really interested in what you were talking about. You know, a woman getting older, and that's obviously something that we're always feeling is underrepresented mm. on film mm. girls on film um i was also very interested in the idea of women being connected with women of the past through the earth i mean without spoilers mm. do either you or charlotte want to talk a little bit more about that kitty do you want to start um yeah i mean i it, it is fascinating territory isn't it the the kind of the the mothers that link us all you know that that kind of sense of of just this sort of maternal line that just sort of stretches back into into our ancient history and it is it is really fascinating to just to kind of to dwell on the terrible injustices that that happened and that still happen and I think I think that's one thing that you know Charlotte really brought out of the story was was this sort of you know the struggle continues and that this is a character who faces very different struggles and challenges but having that kind of opportunity to sort of tap into this wellspring of anger was was just really interesting always there was this idea in kitty's um script of of the mud as being like this sort of character that's animated and got intention and purpose and and there's something so extraordinary because obviously the 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 setting where we shot and and it's like somehow you know intuited in the in the in the script was the place where the the last woman to to be prosecuted for witchcraft was from helen and who had this daughter to Janet and so it's kind of crazy to sort of imagine the earth being filled with you know the stories of these women and the kind of idea of the violence as well of the burning and and the idea of like trying to obliterate someone but actually they're not obliterated their ashes have sort of permeated the land and they're there waiting for the opportunity of like you know of action and actually with Kitty we had these riffs of thinking you know are there other people to with whom that has happened and you know is Veronica the only one and who sort of pain and story has connected to the, to the story's past in a way that were buried and unearthed. Yeah, I love that. There's, it's so much food for thought about, yeah, the, all the spin-off stories that are not shown in this that could exist. It's fascinating. Jessica, let, let's turn a bit to casting now. Talk to me about the, the roles, because I feel like everyone is so well cast in this. Oh, they really are. We were so lucky to find Alice, actually. Um, she's just a... She's, she's got this ethereal way about her. She's like a tree, isn't she? She's very rooted and she's she's got this sort of uh, poise and stillness to her. You could kind of watch her for hours doing nothing other than just being. She's got this extraordinarily watchable face, but her um, that stillness and that sort of power that grows within her within the film... I think is really interesting and um and Kota was a was just a find she's a she's equally her own individual spirit I mean they're kind of amazing women to go on this crazy crazy journey with in Scotland in uh in November and December is uh it's quite cold (laughs) I I was gonna say what were the challenges of of making this but I would imagine that is one of them that is one of them also the remoteness of um of where we shot the cabin that where we shot a, we shot a lot of that on location 
and that was up a single lane track two miles up a mountain in November and we saw it and I remember I was with Charlotte and I just thought this is completely impractical we can't do this and she went I love it it's perfect <laughs> we have to shoot it here <laughs> so we had um we had some really interesting sort of logistical challenges to make that work and, and shot the interiors in Glasgow. Jess and I toured like the entire with Laura as well, our amazing production designer. We um toured the entire of Scotland, bit of Scotland, and we yeah. did only one nook and turn to try and find like the interesting locations and and you know that would have sort of help us really do a lot in terms of the the sort of design work in some ways. And and so finding a cabin in the woods you think would be like quite simple in Scotland, but literally not at all. It was so difficult. Literally <laughs> <laughs> went so everywhere. Difficult. Difficult. So as Jess is saying, like the logistical challenge of that is like if you forget a pair of socks or something, it takes you two hours to sort of like go down and get it on like a quad. <laughs> the necklace. Do you remember know, the necklace one day? So crazy. One day the necklace didn't make it up the mountain and it was like, we need the necklace. And it took two hours out of the day to get the <laughs> necklace back up because we had this convoy of cars that had to go back. But no, it was, you know, there was something magical about that place. And I think it... It was it was really interesting actually covering the whole of Scotland in that way. But there were many I mean there were many logistical challenges in terms of people's, you know, the usual stuff in terms of availability and dates that we could have people. We shot Malcolm on the first day, you know, that wouldn't necessarily have been something we would have loved to have bedded in all of our crew a little bit more, but we, we could only get him for those four days. So we ended up starting the whole shoot with Malcolm, which was quite, you know, once you see the film, you'll see why that was quite a... That was a big day. <laughs> it must... I can't believe that. That's amazing. And um, well done for getting him on board, because I, I have heard... Is, is this true? Is it sometimes hard to cast kind of famous male actors in certain kinds of roles that might be a little bit controversial? Do some actors actually kind of... The Not thing with Malcolm that. is that's so amazing is, is you know, he loves being, like, very controversial in public and then he's actually the sweetest person in private. So literally he's, like, untenable if you get him in front of a room. He, like, is unstoppable with, like, the amount of provocation he's going to try and achieve. <laughs> and now he's going to try and piss off every single person he's ever met in his entire life. But then <laughs> if you're having, like, a cup of tea with him, he's, like, the sweetest person in the world. And actually we had someone lined up to help with stunts and stuff in the off chance but he was sort of formidable and really um really really went for it and it is quite crazy with casting isn't it how you have one person obviously the key was finding really veronica that our lead and so as jess said like when alice was you know sort of came on board it sort of also anchored everyone else was sort of cast around her and so rupert was at drama school with her and you know malcolm and her have like obviously you know sort of seen lots of things together uh, although they had never really met in person so Alice always tells the story of the first time that she stood outside his trailer in Glasgow and was sort of her heart pounding because the last time she'd seen him she was I don't know like a kid and she'd sneaked into clockwork orange screening <laughs> and she was still traumatized by the whole experience but it was sort of <laughs> It's very sweet. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Possibly slightly yeah. helpful during yes. the filming experience. Yeah, to be kind of intimidated by him. Kitty, let me talk to you about um, some of the kind of sexual harassment um, storyline. Do you kind of feel connected to the Me Too and Time's Up movements or did this idea sort of come to pass before they sort of exploded? Um, weirdly, yes. So, so I'd written the film before 
any of the kind of Harvey Weinstein stuff surfaced. Um, so, yes, in that sense, it was, I guess, quite sort of prescient. But I think that, you know, Charlotte's skill was to sort of isolate that particular story and just sort of enlarge it. So in my version, I guess it was a much more sort of simplistic monster movie. So I'd created this sort of beautiful monster and it was, it was, yeah, I mean, it was a more kind of basic rudimentary story about a woman who's feeling like she's losing her power and her beauty and she's bitter about being invisible. She travels to this healing retreat where she gets the power to actually become invisible and then goes on this sort of revenge spree. But she's quite indiscriminate and there are kind of several, several targets. So it was a lot more sort of random. And so I think Charlotte really kind of added an, an extra layer to, to the story and just sort of built upon this, this idea of the kind of the exploitation and this one particular story um, in, a, in a much more moving way. Do you ever feel that you went too far? Oh, um, no. Of course I don't. No, I, I don't think I went too far. I think there are no limits to the exploration of the human soul. Let me rephrase that. In the course of your career, mm. were you ever brought to do things that were unlawful? <laughs> Absolutely not. I kind of want to see that film as well, but I love <laughs> what you're saying and the way that Charlotte built on it. And it's kind of even more exciting what, what it's ended up being. I watched it for the second time last night and it's just uh, made such an impact on me. And another thing that, that made an impact on me is um, the way this deals with your heroine's breast cancer. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen it depicted in this kind of environment before and in this way before. I mean, there's no hospitals, but yet you feel her pain. Uh, you see the, the kind of um, temporary implants that she's using. Does anyone want to speak to that? Because I felt, in a way, this felt like a bit of a feminist issue and a kind of retelling of, of the cliched ways we see this often in drama. Do you, Kitty, do you want to start? Or... <laughs> um, I was thinking this is one for you two. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, for me, it's it's really interesting as as a sort of another aspect of femininity that is feels like a kind of loss of power when when these things happen to us and I think it's very very complex and I mean again I think probably my treatment of of that subject was was a bit more kind of basic and and Charlotte really kind of added lots of nuance and um lots of subtlety to to that experience I think it's yeah it's it's really poignant actually in moving the way Alice kind of handles that and Charlotte's right about this incredible sort of poison stillness that she has where there's sort of so much so much contained and so much kind of pain under the surface that yeah she she just conveys conveys that so powerfully I think a special bond it would torture you. And yeah, and it raised you because, as you say, there are also um, visuals that in some ways we see less. And with the, uh, our amazing makeup and prosthetics hero, um, Jaquette Eleven, who's so amazing, we looked at all this imagery, you know, to, to recreate the, these prosthetics, and we found this photo shoot from the 90s and it was the new york times cover of the magazine and it's these incredible women with mastectomies who are presented as as kind of 
Amazonian goddesses and warriors and just of such beauty and and that felt you know like a really important thing to sort of turn someone's wound into something that I guess becomes their savior or becomes their strength or becomes their superpower in a way something that hurt you in the past whether it be um, in your childhood or in your body or and actually re- somehow or in in the story of the of the witch is burnt in some way reclaiming that and changing the narrative around it so as to make it something that can drive you forward I guess. Yeah it does feel that way the film itself is trying to sort of take those those moments that could be difficult for some women or or in some way could be the 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 breaking point of you and instead to try to show that as something that really lifts them up and makes them powerful we wanted it to be a positive thing yeah I love that we're talking about female power in films and powerful women and this film is very different from some of the you know kind of more traditional perhaps cliched ideas of strong women on film you know that there's there's so much complexity here but also a more kind of supernatural power which is which is really exciting um do, do you feel that that there's a lot that can be done specifically as women in this i mean there's a lot of genres here but it, i mean broadly i might say folk horror is one of them yeah i i would say so i mean i think that um because traditionally horror is such an exploitative genre and yet it it is this kind of amazing Trojan horse, isn't it, in lots of ways where you can kind of sneak in a kind of mischievous feminist message. And yeah, I think I think it's perfectly suited for that. Yeah, well, we always like to celebrate exactly those mischievous feminist messages in horror if you listen to our back catalogue. So, yes, well put. I mean, it, representation as well is, is huge for us and girls on film. Would anyone like to talk about the casting and the characters, you know, as a group with that in mind? Because I think, um, Charlotte, you mentioned in an interview that Desi was non-binary in your mind. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, Desi always felt like the sort of... And, and, and that's like from way back in Kitty's mind, I think like the sort of hopeful sort of hurt in a way of the of the film you know she's she's also obviously hurt and wounded but she does something different with it she's sort of um you know towards I don't know she's very generous with with herself um and she sort of in my mind she always felt like this kind of you know other way like uh, away from these very binary ways of thinking you know and just towards something that's more um I don't know forgiving positive I don't know so she um and Kota's so amazing because she's like that you know in person she's a she's a very sort of magical goddess woman (laughs) she's seriously amazing um and uh so yeah, it was amazing, amazing to have her on board. But Kitty will have lots of thoughts on that because that's yeah. I mean, I think I think you're right. Kota kind of brought this amazing sort of quality to to that part, and I mean that's all credit to Kota and Charlotte really. Because I feel as though the character I wrote was a lot more disaffected actually and less hopeful, and I think I described her in the screenplay is a girl who belongs nowhere. So so she's she's a sort of lost figure who just doesn't really fit in. But actually she sort of she did become this this more kind of hopeful aspect of, of the story and and I think that's lovely really that she sort of 
metamorphosed into something else. Yeah, she's like the only like sort of likable person in the story in some ways. That's true. At the beginning, <laughs> they're also difficult. Yeah. yeah. That is quite true, actually. I hadn't thought of it that way before. <laughs> I love this as a great example of female collaboration because I love how you're all talking about how this all kind of morphed and became something and, and organically grew between all of you, all you many women and I think some men who worked on this film. Mostly women, <laughs> though. We had a we had an amaz- a tremendously um, female-heavy um, HOD selection and a few great men who came in, got involved. Um, but it was funny when we were doing the whole diversity count up at the end to try and check that we'd actually done what we said we were going to do. It did end up being incredibly difficult to do that in Scotland, actually, in terms of the whole greater crew. Um, but certainly our HADs and those who made the creative decisions, we were we were for some time a completely female group, weren't we, with Wendy and Charlotte, myself and, and Kitty. Oh, and Ed. Can't forget Ed. Ed was right there from the beginning. Yeah. Honorary woman. Honorary woman. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Well, Jessica, as someone who worked on the wonderful short leading lady parts, I would expect nothing less. Thank you. That was such good fun. (laughs) We love that. It was good fun. Yeah. Jessica Swales, a friend of the pod, and yeah, love that one. Well, that was a that was amazing because that was that was ninety nine percent women. Not quite. Couldn't find a female grip, but that was it. (laughs) (laughs) I would have done that for you. Would you? How hard could it be? Oh, I wish I'd known. I wish I'd known. <laughs> Before I let you go, can I just hear from you? Is there anything else from a feminist perspective you particularly, any of you particularly wanted to sort of highlight or mention about She Will? Hmm. That's a good question. I think I'm going to throw that one to Charlotte. There is no right or wrong answer, and or you can skip it because we've talked about quite a lot, so that's fine. Well, but I think, like you know, I think what Kitty was mentioning at the beginning, you know, there is um, there's there's a pool of like amazing actors who are not in you know necessarily in their twenties and who are so talented and so brilliant, and I just um, hope that the industry can reassess them so that they're not you know cast aside to such an extent so early on. I think it's like quite an Anglo-Saxon thing. Like it feels in France, like other actors get more of a chance, you know, in terms of female actresses. I think so, yeah. So, you know, cause Alice always says how she feels, oh, I don't know, it feels like I would, you know, she she wasn't getting like leads. She wasn't getting necessarily. And so it's, it is, I, I think it's amazing seeing other actors on screen and learning from all their amazing craft. Mm. And I also, totally agree. and I also think that you know we're um, it wasn't it wasn't the intention to go out there and make a gung ho feminist movie. We wanted to we wanted to do something more crafted and artful and different, but also to him for it to be more of a rather than bashing men, we wanted it to be more of a sort of empowering women and let's lift them up and let's take people who may feel. And, that, and 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 I think that came across actually when we started screening it. You know, the the flat community that have come up to Charlotte and I in the in the screenings that we've seen around the world, who've just come up and just have found it so incredibly moving and powerful to take that moment and for it to be as as Charlotte said, the rising of a phoenix from the ashes. That's that's how it's made a lot of those people feel. That's amazing. 
Definitely. I know a lot of men that have loved this film. You know, good I'm, men. I'm sure many of the teams too soon. Yeah. <laughs> I try. I try only to hang out with the best. Yay. Very good. Oh my gosh. Good stuff. Well, I hope all our listeners go to see this on the big screen. But meantime, Kitty, Jessica and Charlotte, thank you so thank much you for joining us. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Many thanks to Alice, Charlotte, Kitty and Jessica. UK listeners can watch She Will in cinemas this week from Friday the 22nd of July 2022. Girls on Film is an HLA production brought to you by executive producer Hedda Archbold, audio producers Little Bird Creative, our intern Grace Delve and our partners for this episode Vertigo Releasing. We were recently nominated for the best live podcast at the British Podcast Awards. So if you would like to see us live, our next show is at Edinburgh International Film Festival on the 16th of August 2022. Do join us. I'm Anna Smith and I was joined by Alice Krieger, Charlotte Colbert, Kitty Percy and Jessica Malik. Stay safe. See you soon. Will you all please stop telling me what to do?